And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. Thank you for your continued support. We are so grateful that you keep downloading, liking, and sharing Canada Hoops. On today's episode, we are bringing you the first annual Canada Hoops Canadian Basketball Awards. And to help us do that, we have the homie Scott Witter joining us. Scott continues to be an incredible source for Canadian basketball news information and insight scott we appreciate you coming back to join us on canada hoops maddie thanks man this is a this is a real honor i gotta say thank you yeah it's uh it's exciting and uh you know i'm glad you're able to come back you're the second guy to come back and join us on the the podcast so you're in the books for history there man i'll take it i like uh, to just always check in you know that uh, how are things going for you and your family you know, Maddie, I'm in. You might recall, I'm in the I'm in the Los Angeles area. So we uh, we kind of go from from one extreme to the other, and uh, you know, it was, it was pretty pretty bad a couple months ago. But it's uh, um, kind of gone the other direction, and we're at our kind of lowest COVID rate. So things have gotten back to normal. Um, you know, for me personally, kids' sports are are, are going again, and, and that that seems to take up a chunk of my time. And the schools okay. are back in, and everything everything's going pretty good at this point. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed and hope it keeps up. That's good to hear. Uh, well, we got some Canada basketball news we'll cover on the tail end of the episode, and everyone's uh, very excited about that. But um, we need to get some of these awards going that we put together on Canada Hoops. And our NBA awards we're handing out this evening, we put out on a poll for Twitter for fans to vote on as well. And the first award to hand out tonight is for the Canadian NBA MVP Scott, who gets your vote as the NBA MVP out of Canada this year? All right, I, I love this one because it's um, you know everyone sometimes has has their own view of what MVP is, um, most outstanding player, most valuable player, whatever it is. Um, there's I, I really think there's there's kind of three guys who stood out to me this year, and in Shea Jamal and and RJ Barrett, but. I'm taking this opportunity almost as a little bit of a, of a mea culpa because um, I was a little bit harsh on, on this young man, I think last year, a little bit more um, on, the, on the skeptical side of things. I didn't like his rookie year too, too much. I just thought there was some issues in his game and I was, I was kind of concerned if, if that was going to get hammered out. And I, I doubted his pedigree. I doubted his work ethic. I doubted who he was and I really shouldn't do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed that I, that I ever doubted him, but RJ Barrett's my, my MVP of the season um, for, for a couple of reasons, you know, I, you know, I, I think Jamal and, and Shay are at a higher level, but, but um, yeah, I think RJ was, the second most important player on a, on a, on a fourth seed team and um, just the fantastic jump he made this year uh, really across the board. He, he really cleaned up what I saw in his, in his rookie season and at Duke was, um, you know, a little bit of a uh, you know, poor 
shot selection, uh, inefficient player, kind of a limited player, ha- having a little bit of trouble finishing at the rim, um, not a great outside shooter. And boy, did he change that. Um, you know, he went from a, um, you know, a 32% three-point shooter um, to, to 40. I think he was like, I think he was just right over 40 and he finished the year. And that mm-hmm. includes, you know, not a great good start to the season. I think he had a little bit of a hiccup there at the start. Um, there was a great article out a couple uh, weeks ago, kind of talking about what he what he did in the bubble with with Drew Hanlon. They completely re- reworked his shot, and I think I think it got a, a little bit bumpy in the first month of the season, and then and then he just took off, and you know he finished the year on a tear, and he was shooting well into the forty percent from three, playing fantastic defense. Um, yeah, I I just got to give it to RJ, and and I thought it was just a fantastic season for him. So he is my MVP. Well, great choice. Um, I love RJ so much, and you know we got to remember the the kid is twenty years old. Like he turns twenty one, yeah. he turns twenty one next month, and yeah. there's been a lot of hype and a lot of promise put on his shoulders at a young age, and you wonder how much uh, you know. That bothers him, but he's been outstanding. I love your vote. My vote, I went with Shea Gilgis Alexander. And this was a tough vote for me. Obviously, Jamal stands out, and Jamal probably would have edged Shea for me had he finished the year. But, you know, they both end up getting hurt. And at that time, they were really rolling. But I'm going with Shea for a couple reasons. Prior to getting shut down, with the injury on March 23rd, SGA was averaging 23.7 points per game, five rebounds, and six assists. And then you could really see with him out of the lineup how much Oklahoma City just struggled. They were bad. Awful. So, so bad and so poor. And, you know, and Jamal suffered the ACL, ACL injury on April 12th versus Golden State. And up to that point, he was averaging 21 points a game, three, three points per game less than Shea. And obviously, you know, he and both Jamal, uh, sorry, both him and Shea are, you know, crucial to Canada. Uh, but I just felt like SGA was on a, on a level to really, you know, push his team into the playoffs and do some really special things. So for me, Shea was my NBA MVP this year. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I think it's it's neck and neck between him and Jamal, who in a vacuum are, are the Canada's best players right now. I think it was... I think the vote was probably clear last year. It was Jamal, but Shea just took it to the next level this year and, and was just awesome. It's just awesome to have uh, two young guys at this caliber level, um, both future all-stars for sure. Um, I don't know where Shea peaks out. It could He could be an all-NBA player. He's just, he's just fantastic. And to highlight the people's choice as voted on via Twitter, Jamal Murray is a people's NBA MVP with 48% of the votes. All right. We got our top three covered, I guess, so to speak. Nobody is wrong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, our second Canadian basketball award to hand out, and we also put this out for poll on Twitter, is for the NBA Defensive Player of the Year out of Canada. Scott, who's your vote? And who gets the award for you here as the best defender from the Great White North? Defensive players, I you know, this this to me this comes down to two players. And I think they're the obvious candidates, right? But I want to point out that um, the defensive 
stars coming out of Canada go deep. Um, right. You know, Ken Birch does his thing, and 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 you know, Chris Boucher was was fantastic. I have a blast, kind of watching highlights of him closing out on three pointer three pointers. And they're like, what the heck just happened? Right. Um, you know, he, he's been fantastic. Um, you know, RJ was fantastic this year, but it really comes down to Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks. Um, to me, I think, I think Lou Dort got a lot of the, a lot of the hype. Um, and, and maybe this is recency bias, but I'm going with Dylan Brooks and, and, and he gets, he gets the edge for me. And, you know, there, there's a couple couple reasons there. I think this year it was very clear that that the Grizzlies saw him as their best defender, and 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 every, night after night after night, Brooks was marked up on on the the opposing team's best wing or guard player. And and you know, you might not have seen it in the stats, but coaches know. Coaches know who their best defensive player is. Right. Um. And and so we got that vote of confidence, and then you you saw there would be night after night where he was, he was just being Damian Lillard's grill and, and shut him down or, or, there, or obviously the last, you know, couple playoff games with shutting down DeMar DeRozan and, and, and Steph Curry. Um, you know, he's one of those, he's one of those players that gets under everyone's skin. He's got the swagger um, opposing players and fans hate him, right. which I love when he's, when he's our guy, right? right. When he's your guy. You love having those players, right? Um, I saw a tweet today and I just, I just laughed. Um, it was, it was something along the lines of Dylan Brooks is the evil Danny green. Yeah. (laughs) I totally love love that. And I get that, but yes, I'm going with Dylan Brooks. Well, this is where I have to agree with you. Dylan Brooks is my defensive player of the year out of Canada as well. Uh, his defensive rating was two points less than lot of than lot of Lou, Lou Dort. But like you said, he gets the toughest matchup from the other team. And I like how he's elevated his game overall. It seems like, you know, he knows that Memphis is counting on him to score as well. It's not just locking in and being okay with averaging 10 or 12 points a game. Like Memphis needs him to contribute on offense and then lock it down on defense. So I, uh, I got to go with Dylan Brooks uh, as well. The People's Choice for the Canadian NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Lugens Dortz, with fifty-one percent of the votes. No surprise there, and and I think he's got to get his props to just how awesome he was. Every you know, a lot of what I said about Brooks goes to goes to Lou Dort. He's he's consistently marking the the best wing guard player uh, on the opposing team night after night after night. Um, and, and he's got a, he's got a rep. He's built like a tank. He gets in people's grill. Um, he's so young and has so, so far to go. And we've seen great breakthroughs on the offensive side for him. And he's just a fantastic young guy to watch for, for Canadian fans. Well, hopefully we can have the both of them locking down the, uh, backquarter wings for other countries here for years to come. That's, uh, that's exciting for us. Um, Let's move on to the most improved player. There were some great candidates this year. Who do you give your vote to as a Canadian most improved player in the NBA, Scott? This was this was the toughest one for me, and you know I think there's and this is a good thing by the way because I think we had so many guys take big leaps this year. 
Uh, I, I think there's at least nine guys deserving of this award, right? And, and you know, uh, Chris Boucher, Ken Birch, R.J. Barrett, Lou Dort, Dylan Brooks, Shea, Nikhil, Andrew Wiggins, all of them have a, have a case for this. Right. Um, they, they all made meaningful steps. A lot of these guys, though, I think, I think we saw it. I think we saw it coming last year. Um, you know, you, you saw glimpses of, of Chris Boucher last year getting his chances. You, you just say, hey, if this guy gets minutes and he gets a consistent role, he's, he's going to produce. And he did. Um, I've been personally watching Ken Birch for a long time. And, and it was always like, come on, Orlando, give him a chance. This, this, right. guy can, this guy can do it. And he would get these little windows where um, Vuk would go down and, and he would get a bigger role and, and, and he would produce. And then he'd just go back to being kind of second or third center. So you, you would see it from, from some of these guys. So my pick for this one, you know, again, I think Andrew Wiggins, we, new scenery, you, you kind of, you were hoping this was going to happen. You can see it happening. You can see the development with Dort. You can see Dylan Brooks, like, man, if you get, this guy gets his efficiency under control, he's going to be a, he's going to be an amazing player. Right. To me, my choice here is the guy I did not see it coming. I, you know, I had this guy not really pegged, you know, borderline NBA player. I don't know if this guy is going to be off in Europe or, or what, um, you know, G league two way player for, for the Raptors last year. Didn't do a whole lot with, with the Raptors. Obviously, people know who know who I'm talking about, but it's 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 O'Shea Brissett, right? Um, you know, and I think I think with O'Shea, you know, it, it was there. We've seen him at Syracuse. He's just a bouncy, athletic player. He he had a kind of a bad touch around the rim, and he was a, he was not a good outside shooter. Um, you know, we're talking a 25 percent three point shooter in his time with the Raptors last year in the G League. Um, you know, you're kind of like, ah, where, where, how does this guy fit in? And, um, it, but it, another one of those stories, we talked about RJ just, you know, putting his head down and working on a shooting last year. O'Shea, by all accounts, worked his butt off and, and he turned into a, a, a really good player. He, he was good in the G League this year. He put up, um, you know, good stats in the G League. He, he, he shot well. Um, you know, he, he brought his, his three point shooting up tremendously. I think, I think he, you know, almost about 10 point, 10 point percentage point improvement between, between the years. So he's one of the better players in the bubble and he got his chance. Um, Indiana suffering some injuries and, and needed some help. He, he got his 10 day contract and he just rolled with it. And, and he was, he was great. He was, he was a really good player for, for the Pacers. Um, you know, he only played about 21 games. So I, I know some, if anyone's going to argue about this, they're going to say, Hey, you know, small sample size, but 21 games at the NBA level is pretty good. He started 16. Um, he shot 42 percent from 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 three with with the Pacers. Um, yeah, that, that's probably a you know that probably comes down a little bit o- over time. Um, that that was amazing, but you know it's clear he's not a 25 percent three point shooter anymore. Um, the month of May, 10 games in May, he put up um, you know 12.6 rebounds on on over 40 percent three point shooting, um, and I, I just I was just amazed i'm like all right we got another one this is amazing um because i did not bank on him whatsoever um thus i'm i'm putting him as uh as my most improved player i like your choice and one thing i'll just say about o'Shea that improvement and that turnaround much like you alluded to was very fast i mean it was like we all knew who this kid was and maybe lacking some opportunity and then all of a sudden he seized it in 21 games Got himself a three-year deal. Um, big improvement by O'Shea. Props to him. 
my vote, I went with RJ on this one. Yeah. RJ, RJ was yeah. so much better in his second year. Yeah. And, you know, he had improved his uh, average up to 17.6 points per game, playing five minutes more a game this season under Tom Thibodeau. Uh, field goal percentage up to 44% from 40 last year. And much like you alluded to in your MB, uh, sorry, MVP vote, you know, he has become a key piece for this revitalized New York Knicks team. Um, he's going to be counted on for the next 12 years. You know, he's still so young. I was so happy to see the improvement. Uh, he looks confident and, uh, you know, big props to RJ. And he was also the people's choice for the most yeah. improved player with 55% of the votes. Yeah. He, yeah, he would be for me. I, I slipped him in there. As, as yeah. The he, he was, he was just fantastic. And man, like you can't underestimate the work ethic and, and having that kind of mindset. And, so you kind of wonder, you go, what what's the ceiling for him, right? Where 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 does he get to? Um, if you take that much of a jump in in, in a sophomore season, um, you know, there, there's a lot more he can do, right? And, and you know he's a guy who's just going to kind of be very disciplined and, and break it down every year. This is what I'm working on, and this is what I'm working on, and this is what I'm working on, and, and he's just going to keep taking step by step by step. Absolutely, and uh, now we have sort of the fun award for something off the court we're going to hand out the award for the best dressed canadian hooper scott as the youngsters say who's got the best drip it's got the best drip yeah it's it's i don't know man i think i'm on i'm going to go with a non-obvious choice here and and i might just be on a on a high with this guy i think i, I mentioned the other day i used to frustrate me to no end and and now i've le- I've, I've learned to let all that go by and uh, Dylan Brooks could do no wrong in my books right now. Right. And he had this run. The drip on him is a little limited to this run on sunglasses that, that he had been going on uh, for the bulk of the season. And it just kind of built and built and built. And, and Matty, I don't know about you, man, but I'm not the guy who can pull off sun, sunglasses inside, right? There's, there's, only, there's only certain dudes who can, who can pull yeah. off sunglasses inside and, and still look cool. Um, Dylan Brooks is that guy. And, and I love his response. One of the reporters, one of the Grizzlies reporters and said, Hey, what, you know, what's going on with the sunglasses? Why, why are you wearing them in the pressers? And, and his response deadpan was quote, Hey man, I'm just trying to give our team the best chance of winning. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> incredible. Great stuff. Uh, well, my vote, I went with the vet. I went with Corey Joseph. I like Corey's style. He's got a clean look. He's kind of refined and always crisp. He looks dialed in all the time. So I'll go with Corey Joseph for the best dressed and the people's choice. They went with SGA with 62% of the votes. No doubt. That, 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 I'm surprised that's not 90%. That, that's, uh, uh, he's, he's got it. But I think you and I are contrarians in a, in a sense. We figured that he'd be, he'd be winning the people's choice. Well, yeah. And, you know he's. He works more. hard at it, though. Hey, he works hard at it. I think he's got a Levi sponsorship. Probably. I think it. he does, man. So he's on his way to uh, doing big things in the fashion uh, world. Uh, we'll just hand out a, a kind of another fun one and get some thoughts and opinions. But uh, this is the award for hey, whatever happened to him? <laughs> Who do you got winning that award? This is a fun one too because I, I get kind of poked at every once in a while on on Twitter of like, hey, 
what happened to that guy? Where is right. he? And right. it's, you know, and this year, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different names. Um, you know, Trey Lyles is a good, is a good candidate because he just disappeared in, in San Antonio after having not a bad year last year. Right. Um, but to me, Maddie, I got inspiration with this one, right? When I was thinking about this one, I didn't know who to decide on. And I happened to be making, making some late night tacos, which is, you know, California thing to do, right? I don't right. know. Back in the Canada days, it was, it was late night sandwiches. I was going to make some late night tacos here. And I was rifling through the fridge, looking for my favorite hot sauce, which is Cholula, if anyone is concerned about that. Okay. Uh, but we're out. And, and, you know, I don't know about you. I got about a half dozen half used hot sauce bottles in my fridge that I don't like. Started rifling through them. And I found this old, unloved, unused hot sauce called Sauce Castillo. Oh, my That's God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a bottle of, of Nick Stoskis' Sauce Castillo. Um, somebody Did you drive some, up to Sacramento for it or what? No, no. Somebody somebody gave it to me uh, knowing knowing I was a Canadian basketball fan. fan They're like, look what I found. You could have it. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not that good. It's it's okay. It's it doesn't. It's not. It's not Cholula level. Um. So so I had to pick him because like you know a lot of people are like what happened to that guy and um you know he well I guess we should talk about what happened to him so. You know, he was he was made a little bit of an appearance this year. He 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 ended up in Europe last season with uh, Basconia of the the Spanish ACB. I don't think it was a and, and Euroleague, and I, I don't think it was a very successful run. But I you know I think he was bothered by a by a knee injury and had to had to cut that season had to cut his season short and go off and have knee surgery. And it was pretty quiet about what he was up to, and then he showed up with the nine hundred five G League team. Um, and he was actually pretty good. He, he, um, had kind of a rough, um, you know, er, first few games. And I think that's not a surprise because you've got to shake off some of the rust here. Uh, but then it started kind of clicking for him and, and he was actually one of the better players in the G league and finished really strong. Right. Um, kind of got his shot back and, and, um, was, was shooting at the tail end of it, you know, near 40% from three on, on, on pretty high volume, you know, three, you know, I think he was shooting about over nine, three pointers a game and, and hitting on, you know, well over three of them. And he didn't get the call up. So I was, you know, maybe he's just a little too veteran at this point and didn't, didn't fit the needs the, that people were looking for out there. I was a little surprised because I thought every team could use, you know, good, good distance shooting, but um, that's, that's where Nick was. And, and uh, it's a little disappointing. He didn't get the call up, but he's still out there. Um, and uh, you know, maybe we'll see him again next season. Do you think he's going to be a guy coming up on this fall in this season where he just says, okay, I'm going to go to Europe, make my run, make some money and just see where it goes. Like, is he at that point where he's just got to go settle in over there, so to speak? I, I don't know. I, I don't n- know enough about him because, because I think you have to have a certain attitude for that. Right. And, right. and I, I don't know if, if, you know, we've seen him kind of hanging around TSN or Sportsnet trying to get into the broadcasting thing and, and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe he's kind of looking at that. Um, but, you know, he could. He didn't have a great season in the ACB, but like I said, that might have been the knee injury. But uh, that opportunity is there. Um, sometimes with, with these guys, the best ability is availability, right? So you constantly constantly see G League guys get kind of pulled up and get their opportunity, and, and then they hit, like, like we saw with O'Shea. So I don't know what direction he goes. Um, I, I think he would be great if he, he dedicated himself to, to a European career, but he can just as easily kind of find his way back into the NBA. Right. 
Well, I uh, didn't do a lot of homework on this, but the guy I picked, I went with him because, you know, he's had ups and downs. He's been well-documented, number one overall pick. Of course, I'm talking about Anthony Bennett. And I'm going with Anthony because all of a sudden he shows up playing for Canada in February at yeah. the FIBA America Cup qualifier. And I think you and I talked about this. He looked good. Yeah. He looked really good physically. Like he, he yep. looked really in shape. Yep. Um, he was giving them a bit of a veteran presence in a sense, made key plays, um, you know, and clearly he's a guy that still fits in the system with the program. And that's, you know, essentially what we all kind of love to talk about with Canada basketball. And so, yeah, I'm just saying Anthony Bennett's my pick and I hope something can kind of pan out for him and can kind of get some consistency somewhere. But if he wants to keep showing up and repping Canada, then I got lots of love for him. But uh, yeah. I, Ant- I, Anthony, we love you, man. I so badly want that redemption story. It, right. It's like, like I said, I, you know, I, I write him off sometimes too. And I'm like, you know, what happened? What's and it, You know, I never thought he would show up to team Canada and he was, he looked ripped. He looked great. He looked, yeah. he got way in the G league when, when he was playing for the, the, the Agua Caliente Clippers. And, and he was fantastic in the G league. And I think that went under the radar for a lot of people and he was right ready to make it back into the NBA and had his, his camp tryout with the Rockets and he would have fit right into the Rockets system and, and he blew out his knee. Right. And and I thought I thought he was going to make that Rockets team. So you know, hopefully he gets another chance. Um, you know, I, I, I would. You know, he's still relatively young and, and still has a career ahead of him. Um, but I want to see that guy playing professionally and getting paid for it because he's good enough. Absolutely. Uh, well, as we all know, and definitely as Scott knows, we have some great hoopers overseas in Europe. So we got awards to hand out to those guys, Scott, with your knowledge on the leagues and players over there. I thought you could give us your award winners here. Let us know who you get, who gets your vote for our guys overseas. And we'll start with the MVP. This one's not hard. Um, you know, I, I think I talk about him, him ad nauseum, um, but it's kind of funny. I think he gets the most, inter- if I ever tweet, I think he gets the most interaction, you know, likes, replies, whatever. Right. Um, but Kevin Bangos is, is the guy. Um, I, I firmly believe he's, he's, he's the best Canadian player outside the NBA. Right. Um, you know, if you look at his history, uh, you know, probably, I think it was five years ago now, he had these two breakout seasons with, uh, Zelgaris in, in Lithu- Lithuania, kind of a smaller budget club that he took to the semifinals of, of, of the Euroleague. Um, and, and that was amazing in itself. I think he was second team, um, all Euroleague that year signed a big money contract with Barcelona and it kind of went into the tank. He, you know, he, he had two rough years. He was dealing with a long-term foot injury. I think he had plantar fasciitis as well, or it was some version of turf toe or something. I can't really remember, but he also, I think was in a system and a coach that didn't quite fit him. And, and, you know, he kind of went right back down um, and just didn't have great years. And you're kind of what's, what happens to him next. And, he, he signed on with um, Zenit uh, St. Petersburg, which is a, a, obviously a Russian club in the Russian VTV, but also in the EuroLeague. Right. They were a, I think they were dead last in the EuroLeague last year. And, and they signed on Pangos, and, and he was right back at it. He was healthy. He was fantastic. He took a hold of that team. 
He piloted all the way into the playoffs. Um, they matched up against his old club Barcelona, which is stacked. Um, and, and they came, you know, within one game of, of knocking out uh, Barcelona in the quarterfinals. Um, he, he led the EuroLeague in assists. Um, he led the league in, in three-pointers, shooting, you know, I think 42% for, from three on, on the league. Um, he just piloted that, that team and in, into a lot of success. And um, he was just actually a couple of days ago named first team um, all EuroLeague. And, and that's a huge honor. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those are, those are, you know, by almost definition, five of the best players in the world outside the NBA and, and the NBA pulls from, from the early quite, quite consistently. Right. I right. think there's, um, you know, four or five guys pulled, pulled mid season, a lot of them point guards too. So a lot of people ask me if he's going to end up in the NBA. I don't know. Um, you know, he has, he has one of those personalities where he might just stay in, in, in Europe. Um, he, I think he might actually make more money in Europe. He's going to be a free agent this summer. Um, he's in for a, a big, you know, contract bump. Um, Zenit's going to, going to chase him really hard and try to resign him. Um, a lot of other Euro, Euro league clubs are going to line up to try to sign him. It'd be really cool to see that guy in the NBA. He's good enough. Um, especially offensively. I think there's still some, some criticism, you know, some, you know, can he defend at the NBA level? I don't know. He was, he was pretty good in the Euro league this year. Uh, I'd love to see him get a shot in the NBA, but I could just as easily see him have, having a, a, a great career in, in Europe. Well, I just want to follow up on Kevin. You know, I think he's going to be crucial for Canada this season, and I'm really happy for him with respect to the season he's had, and I feel like he's um, he's made his mark wherever he's going to play. So big props to Kevin Pangos. Who do you got for uh, defensive player over in Europe, Scott? This this one's almost my kind of runner up to MVP as well, so I want to give him props. But he's right. he's he's known as a as a fantastic defensive player, um, and and I hope people are as familiar with him as as they should be because I do think he's he's probably our our number two best player kind of in Europe. And this is uh, Deshaun Pierre, um, and and the, the cool thing about him is like. He didn't go over to Europe with much fanfare. He started in the BBL, which is kind of a, a secondary league, but he was fantastic in the BBL and moved over to um, the Italian league and had some great years with um, Dynamo Sassari in the Italian league, took them to some of their best finishes. And then this past year, um, Fenerbahce out of Turkey uh, signed him for the Euro league. And I was like, whoa, whoa, you know, is, is, is he Euro league? talent and i'm like i i i wasn't quite sure and i was like i hope you know not too many canadians have succeeded at the euro league right um i can count on a couple fingers of, of guys who i'd say were big successes in, in the euro league um it, you know even guys like melvin edgem have never got their chance at the at the euro league um but he pierre deshaun pierre just blossomed he's just this all-around jack of all trades glue guy defensive specialist just energy player. He's a terror on defense. Like he, he literally guards one to four and you'll sometimes see him guarding, you know, centers in, in, in the early, he's just so quick. He's so disruptive. Um, you know, he, he's an efficient player as, as well. He doesn't score a lot. He's, I think it's about nine, 10 points a game, but he's, he's shooting over 40, 40% from three. Um, but he quickly became a fan favorite of kind of the fickle, Turkish fans and it was all for his defense. He was just one of the hardest working guys out there. Um, like I said, extremely disruptive. 
and, and a great glue guy. And, and Fenerbahce started the season horribly and they were way out of the playoffs. And as soon as um, uh, Pierre got uh, inserted into like a, a bigger role like, and into the, into a starting role, they just went on this 11 game winning streak tear and like, you know, pushed right into the playoffs. And um, I think it was a fantastic turnaround for that club. And uh, yeah, so he, he is my uh, defensive player of the year out of Europe. Awesome. Love it. Great stuff. Great information. Who is your most improved player in Europe this year? Yeah. This one, this one's a fun one. Cause it's, it's, I don't think it's maybe people aren't as familiar with, with him. He's, he's definitely been on the Canadian national team with, with some of our qualifying windows. Right. Um, and I, you know, I had a, my runner up here, I just want to mention, um, was, uh, Castus Robertson, who's, who just has turned into this elite three point gunner in, in the, in the Spanish ACB. Um, but, uh, to me, uh, trail, Trey Bell Haynes is my, um, most improved player. And I, I want to tell you why, cause he's, he joined, uh, he's in the BBL, the German BBL, right. um, and he's with a club called the Krelsheim Merlins and uh, not a great club, a club that's kind of, you know, gone up and down through the second division, you know, been relegated, you know, back up to the first division. And, he, you know, he also had um, his first season in the, in the BBL two years ago. Wasn't, wasn't that much of a success. He wasn't, you know, he, he ended up getting pushed out of the BBL and had to go over to the Finnish league and the Finnish league's a big step down from the, from the BBL. But when he showed up with, Carlsheim Rollins, he just, he just took off. He's a totally different player. Um, and he was, he was one of the best players in the BBL this year. He um, was, was in the running for, for MVP. He led the league in assists by a massive margin. I think he, he, uh, had about, he ended up with about 244 assists, where the next closest was, was about 175. He was fourth in the league in, in scoring. Um, you know, he put up he put up about seventeen points, four rebounds, um, seven point two assists. Uh, fourth in the league in scoring, where the, I think the best scorers in the BBL are about twenty points per game. Right. Um, he took he took the Merlins to fourth in the BBL stand, standings, which was you know they never they never finished no better than tenth. Um, he just dropped like a thirty one point game in the, in the quarterfinals, uh, against Bayern Munich that, you know, they should get killed. They should get swept by Bayern Munich. Um, so he, he helped them, um, I think, you know, take the, take a, take at least one game off of them and we'll see how that, that series go. But this is a huge leap forward for, for Trey and his club. And it's awesome to see he's going to move up. Um, European basketball is a pyramid and there's, there's, you know, leagues and clubs and, and whatnot at all different levels. He's probably going to move up to a better uh, domestic league, um, maybe maybe Spain, Turkey, Russia, who, who I think are the best domestic leagues. Um, it, he might stay in the BBL, but it'll be with a lot better club. Um, you know, he needs to get on a basketball champions league club or Europe Euro, Euro Cup team club. I don't think he's Euro League uh, level yet, but um, if he can see keep jumping and keep moving like this, um, maybe he one day gets there. Well, that's awesome stuff. We always appreciate your insight on the guys overseas in Europe and what they bring to the table. And I believe that does it for our Canadian Basketball Awards, first annual. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Scott, my friend, the time that many of us have been waiting for is nearly here. The Olympic qualifying tournament in Victoria is a month away. And with the end of the NBA regular season 
and the start of the first round of the playoffs and some guys who are out because of injury, we have a better idea who is available now and who is a pet potentially available come mid-June as the team begins camp. And the big news breaking tonight, just before we jumped on, was that Andrew Wiggins posted on his Instagram that he's ready to go and committed to play for Canada this summer. So we'll start there with uh, Wiggins and that news and what that means for Canada, both in Victoria and hopefully in Tokyo. What are your thoughts there, man? Yeah, I think that's huge news. Um, and, and in fact, I, I, I broke out the the good bourbon and just just downed a, a, a big glass of uh, of bourbon on the rocks during this conversation, Cheers. just to yes. celebrate what yeah. was going on. There. And, and I think you know it, it matters in a in a in a lot of ways uh, for for Canada basketball because this is to me this is this is kind of icing on the cake. I I didn't know what Wiggins was going to do. Obviously. You know, there's some history there where he last played for for in 2015 when we were cruising through the the, the FIBA Americas on our way to a, a surefire qualification to the 2016 Olympics when we right. were, um, you know, uh, blasted by uh, uh, by Venezuela and you know there were there was supposedly some bad blood there because Triano um, Jay Triano the coach at the time uh, sat Wiggins in the in, in the fourth quarter and and you know and there was reasons for it we were just getting beaten up by Venezuela and Wiggins wasn't having a great game and even though he was our, our best player throughout the entire tournament led Canada right. in scoring and there was always you know rumors that there was bad blood whether it's true or not I don't know I think it was overblown to to a degree but he hasn't played for Canada since. And a lot of people kind of pointed to that, that he's never going to play. And he got a lot of flack for that. And unrightfully so. There's a lot going on with these NBA players and, and people pulling them in different directions. And the guy's on a $100 million contract and, and owes it to his club to, to you know, to, to the best, be the best that he can be to, you know, within that contract. So, you know, we've, we've missed Wiggins and we needed him. Um, you know, he, we've been weak, weak, weak at, 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 at that kind of small forward shooting guard position for, for, for a long time. Um, and to have him back, um, you know, I also think there, I'm a big believer in a snowball effect, right? You start right. getting guys committing early and other guys are going to see that and follow. And I, I think we were victim to a reverse snowball in the 2019 World Cup because guys kept dropping and other guys started looking around going, oh, if he's not playing, I'm not playing. And, he, you know, if he's not playing, I got an excuse not to play. And, and you know, hopefully we get the opposite here where it's like, oh, oh, Wiggy's playing and, and, and you know, Ken Birch is playing, Lou Dort's playing. Well, I, I better get on board. Hey, it's going to be a great team and I don't want to miss out. Right. Um, but, you know, there there's, becomes a little bit of a pressure there, right? So I think it's fantastic news. I still think he's, you know, he's, he's not the, the, the golden child we might have thought he was back in, right. in 2015 and 16, but he's still easily, can, you know, a top talented player for Canada, top, what do you want to call it, top four, top five, easily. Um, you know, he, he's, he brings something that I don't think a lot of the other guys can. He's, he's just a, a superior athlete and he can do so many things is kind of one-on-one skills and, and shot creation. Um, you know, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be great in a FIBA setting and I'm, I'm really happy that he's going to be there. Yeah, I am too. And I think if you had everybody available and ready to go, Jamal Shea, forget the injuries right now. Wiggins is in. Wiggins starts. He's in your top five. 
He's hitting the floor with your starters. So that speaks volumes to what he brings to the program, what, uh, you know, the community. We, you know, we love this kid, and it's good to see him bounce back with Golden State. And uh, I know everyone's happy that he's made that announcement. I just wanted to run off some names just kind of as we do a little training camp and roster projection a little bit as we look ahead at next month. So right now, we know Jamal is out. I've got Shea penciled as injured, question mark. I don't think he's going to play in Victoria for sure. If they qualify, maybe he goes. I think the Thunder you know, are apprehensive about him playing. But yeah, right I now, agree. yeah, right now available, we got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kem Birch, Chris Boucher, O'Shea Brissett, Lou Dort, the vet Corey Joseph, Kelly Olinick, of course, Andrew Wiggins, like we've mentioned, and Michael Mulder. So these guys are available. Contract uh, possibilities aside, if everybody was able to play, these are the guys that we're looking at right now going into camp because they're not still playing in the first round of the NBA. Uh if we had to go with, say, that group, Scott, what do you think? Oh, I think we'd be awesome with that group. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think I think there's still a lot of question marks among the, amongst those guys. Um, you know, I think we've I think we've seen kind of you know Lou Dort and Ken Birch go on record saying they're playing. Um, right. So hopefully that holds true. Um, you know, Brandon Clark kind of came out and, and said that he wants to play as well, but you know he's he's tied up in the playoffs, so who knows. Um, as, as an interjection here, I think, I think, you know, certainly the guys who go out in the first round are going to be available second right. round. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, second round might be going, you know, it's certainly going to be going on after camp starts. So do you bring a guy in? Remember, we're only going to have like less than two weeks from camp, which is supposed to start the 15th to games in Victoria, which is supposed to be the 29th of June. Right. So you, you, know, you really want to be careful about guys you're going to bring in late to camp. Maybe you do that for an RJ Barrett or, or a Dylan Brooks, but I, I don't, I don't know after that. Um, but, and then you, there's still a lot of questions with the guys who are free agents or, or have non-guaranteed contracts, right? I think the biggest question mark there is Kelly Olenek. Yeah. He came out a couple of weeks ago and said he really wants to play, but he's a free agent and he doesn't know what that's going to mean. And, and you know, he's going to look into insurance and, and he would not commit. Um, but that guy wants to play. I know he does. So, and, and I, I still look at him as, you know, our, our most important big. And, right. and I, th- I think he's, he's an important guy to get. Um, you know, Corey Joseph has, has, um, you know, a, a team option. He has a partial guarantee next year, I think at about 2.4 million, but he has a $12 million contract that's at, at the team option level. Don't know if he's going to play, but he's kind of a captain candidate. He's always there. So I feel good about him. Um, Chris Boucher is technically a, a, um, team option guy as well. Um, but I think, I think it's very clear. He'll probably get, um, uh, you know, that option will get picked up. So I, and he said he wants to play. So I feel good about that. Um, you know, Brissett, Mulder, they both don't have guarantees. Um, you know, so there's, there's some question. there's still a lot of question marks in those guys. Um, but of the guys in the playoffs, uh, I feel good if Brooks and, and Barrett, um, can and are healthy, they'll be there. Um, Tristan Thompson, I have no idea at this right. point in his career. Dwight Powell is a big question mark just because of the injury he was coming off. Does, does he want to keep pushing it on a, on a Titan season and, and keep going in the summer? I don't think so. I don't think we'll see Dwight Powell. 
Um, and yeah, I don't know. We kind of touch most of the main guys. There's obviously a lot of um, other kind of peripheral guys, you know, Troy Lyles, do, you know, do we ever see from him? Um, you know, if you Kevin Gelly, does, does he kind of move the needle? I don't know. Nate Darlin, things like that. But the European guys um, do. I think we talked about Kevin Pangos, and I, and I think he's a very important guy um, just because you know, the, the Euro guys that are experienced in FIBA, know the system, know coach nurse, um, are team leaders, um, you know, are, are put in pressure seat, pressure situations over and over again. Um, I remember coach nurse saying Kevin Pangos at the world cup was like having an, another player coach out there because right. uh, he was directing and teaching all the guys that weren't as experienced in FIBA because it is a different game. It's a very different game, a lot of different rules, different style, different tactics. And he's just talking and directing and, and moving guys around. He said the same thing about Melvin Edgem. So I think you'll see guys like that. The, there should be room for, for at least a couple of our best European guys who in my mind are, 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 uh, Deshaun Pierre and Melvin Edgem and Kyle Wilcher and, and, and Kevin Pangos and maybe maybe Phil or Tommy Scrub, right? A couple of those guys, I think, I think need to be there and, and, and we'll make it through. Yeah, good point. And I think, um, you know, when you bring up the names of the guys that are currently playing in the first round, I mean, yeah, if, if Memphis and New York get bounced, uh, yeah, you're going to have uh, – open arms for Dylan Brooks and RJ, no doubt. And they could come in and probably fit right in right away. And I think the other guys are question marks based on health and, you know, desire. Does, does double T really want to play anymore? It's hard to say. Uh, and I just want to touch on the Euro guys. I mean, for me, the top three guys out of Europe who make sense, you know, to play for Canada and could contribute. And I played for coach nurse, uh, of course, Pangos, uh, Adram, and Wiltshire, and Nick Nurse has gone on record and saying, hey, yeah, like you said, big fans uh, of their game, and, and Wiltshire like Canada and scoring at the 2019 FIBA World Cup. Uh, he can fill it up. I think he's got a good game for, for FIBA, obviously. I know Nick Nurse appreciates what those guys bring to a Canada roster. I think, uh, you know, some fringe NBA guys, so to speak, like a a Michael Mulder that's available right now. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't make the squad over some of those Euro guys, you know? So this is a, a great time. We're a month away. We got a better picture of who's available at least to start camp. We've kind of been waiting for this moment. And now we know, uh, Wiggins is good to go and he wants to play and is committed. So it's, it's getting closer and closer and I'm excited, man. I'm really, really fired up and I'm, I'm looking forward to see, who goes to camp and who kind of makes that roster to play in Victoria and hopefully beyond in Tokyo. Yeah. I think, I think we've got, we've got two great wings and a center to start in, in Dort Birch and Wiggins. And, yeah. and I think, uh, you know, every, every day or at least every week we're, we're going to see some, some news of, of certain guys. So it's all, all been good news so far. Nobody's come out and said they're, they're definitely not playing. Right. I think the only no is, is, is Jamal Murray with his injury. Um, and, and yeah, there's going to be some more no's out there. There's going to be guys who just, just can't do it, can't make it happen. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard and I get that. Um, but it's a nice start and, uh, uh, let's see some more in the next, uh, next week or two. Absolutely. Well, that was a lot of fun rolling out the first annual Canada hoops, Canadian basketball awards. Truly appreciate you coming on, Scott. Thanks for joining us, man. 
Maddie, it's a pleasure. Uh, I love what you're doing here. And uh, anytime I can help, I'm there for you, man. Well, I appreciate that. I love uh, getting your feedback on Twitter and, uh, you know, appreciate the support as always. And that's a wrap on another episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank Scott Witter for pulling up. Thank you for continuing to download, like, and share Canada Hoops. Keep spreading love for Canada basketball from coast to coast to coast. Until next time, I'm your boy, Matty. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.